1: Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
0: How many of you have John 3 16 underlined in your Bible? Would you raise your hand? And if you don't, get your Bible out now and even while I'm speaking, why don't you underline it in your Bible? Most of you that are here today listening to me lived at probably one of the most historic times regarding John 3.16 in the history of our world. I'd like to tell you about the most amazing true story about an event that involved a particular individual that I think is... If not the world's most popular person, I believe the world's most known person, and that would be none other than Billy Graham, at least other than God. How many would probably agree with that? Would you say he's probably the most known individual? Well, I want to tell you about something that happened on March 16th through the 19th. No, not two weeks ago, but in 1995, 12 years ago. Billy Graham held his largest and perhaps the most historic crusade he has ever had now as another part of the story he was 76 years old when he did this now I have to tell you what was going on for this just to let you know it happened in San Juan uh, Puerto Rico it was one that was what we might call a technological challenge because they had over 30 satellites that were involved in this they sent that transmission up to them and then it was downloaded into over 3,000 satellites in over 185 countries it was a complicated project for the satellite broadcasting that went on, and yet this satellite broadcasting that went on actually went into such famous places as the Shatsbury Theater in London, but also in the Rwandan camps, refugee camps in Zaire. It was broadcast with the finest, the latest in technology, and yet at the same time it was shown on bedsheets that were hung on fences and old shacks way out in the jungle. At the same time, it was broadcast all over the world, including even the devastated Japan at the time because of an earthquake. I remember reading a story as I was doing this uh, research for this message about a group of people in Ireland, of all places, that heard about this great crusade and they were lamenting the fact that they would not be able to see this huge historic crusade until just before when they found out that these broadcasts were broadcast in the pubs of Ireland so they could go into a pub and see that great crusade that went on they were over catch this now one million volunteers alone salt and peppered all over planet Earth to be able to service the people that would respond to the message that Billy Graham was going to give. There was a rotating prayer team of hundreds, thousands of people, 24 hours a day, two weeks ahead of time before this began. It was broadcast into places of like Africa where even blacks and whites were willing to put their differences aside and be able to listen to a message by Billy Graham. It was all over. In fact, as I was doing this study, I got thinking about Billy Graham and what he was about to preach. I can only imagine as he was seated there on the platform and the testimonies and the music was done that he picked up his well-worn, well-studied, well-believed, well-applied Bible. And as he looked at this Bible, he knew that there were 33,000 Bible verses in it. But he wanted to pick one to be able to speak to the tens, maybe the hundreds of millions of people. And so he walks up to his crusade pulpit and he opens it up and he looks out to the crowd and says good evening everyone i want to speak to you out of john 316 well i know that there are not hundreds of millions of people that are listening to me today and that doesn't matter what i really care about is that there would at least be one person that would listen to me today whether you're on radio or whether you're listening on our net web website or even here today for just a moment can you speak Screen out of your life everybody, every issue that you're dealing with and let God speak to you on what I think would be known as the gospel in a nutshell, the Bible in a nutshell, the most profound verse in the Bible regarding salvation, the most used, the most memorized, the most quoted verse in the Bible, John 3.16. I have provided for you, you'll follow here, the greatest gift of God. And if you'd like to pick, pick out your worship folder and look at that sheet, you can follow along because I'd like to tell you some of the reasons why that it would be called that. It sheds light on our salvation for God, so love the world. You know, God, that's the greatest uh, origin of our salvation. It begins with God and then so love. That's the greatest motivation, the world. That's the extent of the salvation that he provides for us, that he gave That's the greatest cost of salvation. His one and only Son, the only person of salvation. That whoever, and that's the offer of salvation to anyone, believes in Him, and that is the sole requirement for salvation, shall not perish. That's the hope of salvation. But have eternal life. That's the promise of salvation. Well, it moves on to salvation sheds light on God's love. For God, that's the author. So love, that's His character. The world, that's the object, that's you and me. That He gave the greatest gift. His one and only Son, the greatest sacrifice. That whoever, and that's the depth and the breadth of this gift, believes in Him, it's total acceptance. And I like this. It's so important. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The purpose of God's love is so that we can have an eternal relationship forever with Him. Even in a place called heaven. But it also sheds light on the greatness of God because out of that we know that God is our greatest father. So loved is the greatest love that we'll ever experience, we'll ever know that there ever is. The world who has the greatest need of all of this love that he gave. There's no greater gift, no more expensive gift, no gift that would cost the most than the death of God's only son. That great gift. His only Son, the greatest sacrifice, that whoever, I love this, that whoever you are, that's the greatest invitation to us that we'll ever receive. Whoever we are shall not perish. That's real salvation. That's the opposite of not being destroyed. But have everlasting life. That greatest of hope that when we perish here, physically, we have eternal life waiting for us in heaven. But today what I'd like to speak on happens to be the gift. Now, when I speak about the gift, I'm going to talk about a little bit of the plan of salvation and how it's wrapped up in theology around one verse. But I want you to know, it's not so much the plan of salvation that's important as it is the person of salvation. We probably memorized Romans 6.23 that says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's all about Jesus Christ. And he that has the Son has that life. So it's all about Jesus Christ. So when we're presenting you today, we're not talking about joining our church. We're not talking about doing important things like baptism and even communion. We are talking about you having the Son, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, as your forever and only Savior by faith alone. Now, you know, this pops up a lot in our culture. I got thinking about how often we've seen John 3.16. Why don't you go back down memory lane? Where are the different places that you've seen John 3.16 outside of the church? I'm thinking about it, football games. Have you ever seen on football, they did it more earlier on than they do it now, but as soon as someone scores a touchdown, up goes that big banner. Remember seeing that? It's everywhere, it seems like. In fact, there was a guy by the name of Steve Taylor who wrote a song called The Banner Man after the guy who puts up that banner, John 3.16. How many of you have seen this at sporting events, maybe on television? Would you raise your hand? Look at all of you. Here's how his song goes. He says, the ball gets booted. It hits the crossbeam. Up goes the banner, John 3.16. He ain't going to change the world, but he knows who can. Banner Man. Sports fans everywhere are dying for a drink, but they can't find the well first. One man's ready with a banner and a wink. A whole lot of souls are getting well-versed. Every time I see him, I smile a little more. I can't help praying for another high score. He ain't going to change the world, but he knows who can. Banner man. And there are a lot of quacks and weirdos out there. There was a man who liked to said, John 3:16 wherever he went, and he got into trouble with the law, and the headline said, Fugitive Clown Evangelist Arrested. Now, I thought I'd never see those three words together. Fugitive, clown, arrested. I have to tell you something. There is a guy that was so passionate about John 3.16, and I don't know a lot about his story except what I found on the Internet, but he loved John 3.16 so much that he literally changed his name to John 3.16, last name is Cook. And I want to go on record to say he's not related to the famous Cook family that we know so well. But again, it is everywhere. And then you remember Tim Tebow, which is more our generation. How that on his, perhaps his face paint or that black paint he put on his cheekbone. He would put John 3.16 when he was in college until they outlawed that. But even then he still puts John 3.16 on that face paint. But so he doesn't break the law or his testimony. He covers it up with another black strip. So you can't see it, but underneath it, he is still wearing John 3.16 because he knows that because of that verse and what it means, he responded to that verse by trusting Christ as his Savior. Now sometimes when I give John 3.16 at different places, and hopefully not here and often not here, well, not that I give it here, I give it often, but people sometimes say, is that all you know is the plan of salvation? Is that everywhere you go you will always end up giving the gospel and in an invitation? You're so shallow, all it is is John 3.16. Well, I will tell you, for me and my house, wherever I go, wherever at any time I suspect that someone in a public meeting to which I'm speaking or just asked to pray is out there, somehow I will give the plan of salvation as it comes out through John 3.16, because that's our salvation point. I would like to say this. Frankly, I think you could know a lot about Scripture, and I've taught theology many times. I don't know that you could go much deeper than John 3.16. In fact, I think at times, more honestly we could never plummet the depths of the spiritual theology that's just found in one verse, John 3.16. I'd like you to know, too, that John 3.16, although in the context of Scripture, it was written to, oddly enough, a lost person specifically. But this particular person was a Jewish person. So that tells me that even John 3.16 can be used cross-culturally, even in another belief system, like a Jewish belief system. But at the same time, because all Scripture can also be applied to us in some measure. I believe for those of you who are Christians, you don't have to zone out right now, that as we go through John 3.16, you own the deep truths of each one of these phrases and see if God would take you a little bit deeper into John 3.16 for your life. So while you can plummet the depths of John 3.16 and try to find out all that's there... I want you to know that John 3.16 is not a difficult verse to understand. In fact, it is best to even accept it really on face value, the simplicity of it all. I'd like you to see how that even children can understand and quote John
1: 3.16. The whole world, everyone, everyone anyone, that the loud of people, that he gave his one and only son, his only son, that who? Believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life.
0: Ah. You know, while we might smile and think that's very cute, I have to tell you it is all of that because it's joy in knowing Christ as your Savior. There's joy to know your sins are forgiven. There's joy to know that no matter what you've done in your life, you still can have eligibility to heaven. Because of his grace and his mercy. It brings me great joy to know that a little child can believe this. But perhaps even a hardened academic person. That the power is in John 3.16 to change their life. And so I don't know where you are today. But I just ask you for just a moment right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to open up your mind. To bring you through John 3.16. As a door into an intimate and forever relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's open up our Bibles now and look at John 3.16, almost word by word. So we're going to pick it up with the first part of it that says this, For God, who happens to be the greater giver of this gift. Now for just a moment right now, there could be a lot of you that have received some pretty important gifts from people. I remember one of the highlights of my life was when I came and accepted the call to shepherd you as a faith family here. That unbeknownst to me, I received a letter not it solicited in any way from the governor. And I treasure that letter that I got. And then another one from the mayor at the time. Those are important gifts. Of course, any gift that Carol would give me would be important. And she told me to tell you that. No, she didn't say that. But I have to tell you, whatever gift might be out there, no gift, no matter how much it costs the person financially or a sacrifice to get it to you, is greater than the gift of eternal life. And there's no greater giver than it's going to be God. And when you hear that, you might think now we're going to divide up the Trinity. God gave his Son and the Holy Spirit somewhere out there. I want you to know that the, the Trinity, all the deity is involved with the process of you coming to faith so that you can have an eternal relationship with you, because, with him. Because once you do, that Godhead then can live within you. So yes, it is God who gave his Son. So God is the giver of the gift. But at the same time, you have the Son involved because it was really Jesus Christ, God, God, Same, the giver, who in the flesh gave his very life on the cross. And the Holy Spirit was involved in this because all along the Holy Spirit was getting the message to you. Through the spoken word of someone who is prompted, through the written word through scripture that was kept inerrant for you to believe, through you being convicted of your sin and your need to be forgiven of all that sin, at that very moment that you are trusting Christ, partnering with Almighty God together as one unit, helping you to become truly born again. We call it regenerated. That's all happening then. And the neat part about it is the Holy Spirit just didn't do it and say, my job's done and left. He now stays inside of you and continues the ministry long after you've come to know Christ as your Savior. So all the Godhead is involved in this. And this gift of God, eternal life, actually began in God's mind already. He was shaping this gift, planning all of this out before man, Adam, ever fell, knowing that there would have to be a plan of redemption for fallen man, knowing that man would fall. So already in his mind, that was... So the gift was in the Preparation. the gift was in the beginning the gift was all through the time in the Old Testament preparing for us to understand the significance of this gift of God eternal life through the Lamb of God Old Testament New Testament that takes away the sin of the world so I want you to know if God will give you this gift that will never perish you will have eternal life I want you to celebrate the greatness and the goodness of Almighty God it is all about God and His love for you for God And then it goes on to say, so loved. I thought about that love factor right there. How much he really loves you and me. Now some people like to say this. How much did God love us? Watch this. He so loved us this much. When he stretched out his arms, his hands on that cross to pay for our sins. For God so loved the world. I think there are two ways we can accurately interpret this. They're both very similar. One is this. For God so loved the world, so much loved the world, that it would take the greatest sacrifice, His Son, so that we could have eternal life. I mean, that's so much. I mean, how much more can you love the world than to have your only Son, yourself, in a Son fashion, go to a cross and pay for your sin, and go through that thing in such a way that you didn't deserve to die, the mock trial, the excruciating beating that He had, the humiliation on the cross, and then actually willing yourself to death after you've been shredded and crucified. So much. But the second way you could look at it is this. For God so, or this way, he loved the world. Yes, he did it so much, but he also did it this way, which means there is no other way for us to be saved. I don't care what religion or denomination or belief system is out there. There is nothing apart from the one way to get to heaven. It's through faith alone in Jesus Christ. There is no other payment. There's nothing you need to do. There's no other book. It's the Bible. For God loved you this way when he sent his son. I think that's important when it says, For God so loved the world. And pause for a moment. Some of you are very, finding it very difficult to wrap your mind around that God would love you this much. And I can understand that is not a put-down. You may have grown up in a home or an environment where that you have no idea what love is all about. You've been abused, accused, abandoned, rejected, beaten. And all you hear is what love is out there. And then you go through life on your journey. And all of a sudden, some emotions kick in. And you get into relationships. And they talk a lot about love. You can see it on television and all the movies. But that's not authentic love. And so you get into that worldview. And some of you are now living and you're hurting all through all all of that. And you're saying, is that really love? Is this what love is all about? And so for you to hear God loved you, you can't understand. What do you mean love? What is love all about? Love is an unconditional acceptance and a demonstration to you to take you to another level without anything you do yourself. It's all of God. God loved you that much. So whether or not you understand it, that's not the important thing. What is important is that you accept it and believe it as truth because God said, I loved you And I proved it to you when I went to the cross. I love that verse in Romans that says this. But God commended his love toward us. Proved his love toward us. Showed us so much of his love to us. The rest of the verse says. That while we were yet sinning. While we were yet a sinner. While we were yet in the very act of sin. Jesus died for you. It cannot be made more clear. There is not anything more God had to do when he gave the ultimate that's all there was. He gave us everything. For God so loved the world. Let's look at the next word. It's the next phrase is, For God so loved the world. And that would be the entire world. I do not know what your ethnic background is. and I don't know what your belief system is. But I want you to know that you're part of the world. For God so loved the world. We have three kids. And it's hard to explain that because two of them are adopted. They're half-brothers that we received out of a, a home, a group home, an orphanage in the old days. And then we have a a gal, kind of like a Hanai daughter, that came to live with us when she was 17. And she calls us mom and dad. So we have three kids in our family. One of our sons is named Greg or Gregory. The other son is named Joseph. And the girl is named Beverly. Well, Greg and Joseph. Well, Joe um, seemed to really connect well as we were talking about the Lord and things like that. And so he just loved to tell everybody, my name is Joseph and I'm found in the Bible, you know. And he'd love to talk about Old Testament Joseph and New Testament. He'd love to talk about that. And Greg came to us one day and for a while he was hanging his head and he didn't say, My name's done in the Bible. My name's not in the Bible. I said, Yes, it is. And he said, Where is it in the Bible? I said, Let me show it to you. So I said, Bring me your Bible. So Greg brought us his Bible and I said, Okay, I want you to go over here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John three, John verse sixteen. I said, But before I show you the verse though, you need to know it's spelled differently than G R E G. Really? How's it spelled? W O R L D. For God so loved you, Greg. So it doesn't matter what your name is, your ethnic background is. Here's the important thing is. That God is, is, is infinite. His love is infinite. And his, his, his love object, the world, transcends all of time from the very beginning of Adam all the way through. So every one of you can be bathed under the shower of the love of God right now. Because it's for the entire world. When I think about that, that is humongous. But for a moment, let's set aside the word world and change that right now. For God so loved... Would you put your name right there in your Bible? Or maybe you could say, for God so loved me right there. Because God does love you. Regardless of what others have said or how they model their love, God loves you as part of the world. Then it says, and he gave his only son when I think about a gift, I think of that's what the word gave me. Now, what's important is this. We know that God sent his son. That's found in other parts of scripture. But he also gave his son. There's a big difference between God sending his son and God giving his son. When God sent his son, it sounds like he kind of visited us. Basically, he sent his son. Jesus came. By the way, he couldn't give his son unless he sent his son. So they're not in contradiction to one another. The Father sent me into the world, so say I know you. So he says, God sent me into the world. So he was sent. But even being sent is not enough for the payment of sin. It wasn't until he actually gave himself up for us on the cross. He gave himself for us. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that, yes, at that very moment when he's on the cross and when he... Wills himself to die after all that bloodshed that he went through, all that. He wills himself to die. I want you to know that it wasn't just, just only just the death. Boom, that one split second when he died. I believe that giving was already, again, in the mind of God as he went down through history, preparing us to know that this whole thing was a gift that we can receive. Now, when I think about what he gave us on the cross, yes, he gave us his son, but he gave us his death and his resurrection and everything else about it he gave his son now think about a gift for a moment when i give a gift to somebody if it's an authentic gift that means number 1 they generally don't deserve it nobody does nobody deserves it. i mean we've all missed the mark with even one another it's not a gift if we have to pay them back for something they've done for us you scratch my back i scratch your back that's not a gift that's an obligation a gift isn't something, well, they gave me something this year, so I've got to give them something. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not if we give them something and they have to pay us back for it. A gift is saying, I love you. I want you to have this. And yes, you have a need, maybe in our mind. It is something you would enjoy, something you would appreciate, hopefully. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it to you. Now, when I give Carol a gift, I don't go to garage sales and just throw a gift at her all the time. All right. Once in a while, there's something really cute out there I like her to have. But for those special anniversary gifts, those special birthday gifts, those special that we open up a couple of the gifts we have each other, but we save kind of like the best for last. You know, that's a gift that I put a lot of time in. I think about what would Carol like, what would she need, and often it would cost me time, money, and I get so excited. Now catch. If I took that beautiful gift that I got so excited about that cost me something, and by the way, nothing compared to what my salvation cost my Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, but nonetheless, it's a very special gift, and I gave it to Carol. How do you think I would feel if when I gave her that gift, she says, no, that's not for me, that's for somebody else? That'd break my heart. What happens if she said, oh, this is really, really great, I'll open it later? Would that hurt me? What would it be if I gave her that gift, though? She took the gift, but she left it wrapped and said, you know what, I'm going to put it on the shelf. Maybe I can re-gift it to somebody else. (laughs) Or how about if I gave her the gift and she says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. She opens it up and she sees what it is.